0: Welcome one, welcome all, welcome back to the Bricks in the Wall.
1: Recording in progress.
0: Oh, there we go. Uh, I am your host, Juan, a.k.a. truth.in.media. Welcome back, folks. Uh, we're at it again. Uh, today we actually got a weird episode because we actually have a time traveler on the show today. We're actually talking to somebody in the future, Um uh, he's actually from Australia, so it's actually Sunday for him, which is uh, just to think about that's a little weird. Um, we're going to ask him what we think about Flat Earth and all of that. I'm I'm very curious to see what he thinks about that and how that works into the whole time effect. But uh, yeah, his name is Drew Missing, and he has his own show, his own podcast called You Missing the Point. Um, he's been doing it for a couple, maybe 20-something episodes, but um I saw he had a couple of my buddies that uh, I actually talked to. Um, he said he heard me on the Mastermind De- Mastermind Debaters podcast that we do sometimes on Mondays uh, with uh, the Great Deception guy. And um, well, here we are and we're going to just talk to him and figure out or just listen to his story about how he came to this process of unfolding And looking for things for himself and figuring things out for himself instead of just accepting the narratives that are being fed through the TVs, through the screens, through the radio waves. So without any further ado, I'd like to welcome to the show your comrade and mine, Mr. Drew Misson. How are you doing, brother?
1: Very good, mate. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem. So you're in Australia, right?
1: I am, yes. I am on the other side of the globe, air quotes.
0: (laughs) What do you think about that?
1: Um, I, I used to be a a globe person. Um, I was in the air force and for the longest time I just assumed that it's the world is what it is presented. You're taught in school that, you know, the earth is a globe. There's a, uh, a solar system full of planets and I've been in airplanes before and I'm a teacher as well in a public school. So I never actually thought it could be as wild as a flat earth, but I'd say I'm 98% on board with Flat Earth at at the moment. And that's only come about by um, I became good friends with Moral Bob and (laughs) a lot of people out there might know Moral Bob as one of the the loudest voices for Flat Earth, one of the best um, argumentative voices out there for trying (laughs) to drill it into people's minds. And it was just casual conversation with Bob. And one morning I was out for a a morning jog. It would have been about between 6.15, 6.30 a.m., I took a photo of where the sun was just above my horizon, and I sent it to Bob and I said, where's the sun in your sky? And he sent it back, and it was roughly noon at midday for him in the middle of the skyline, and that doesn't work on a a globe model. With the termination line, we both shouldn't have been able to see the sun in those positions at that time. Mm. So either the Earth is flat or there are two localised suns to some degree.
0: Oh, okay, that's interesting. What do you think was your major catalyst to like kind of uh, sway more to that side of the fence?
1: Um, finding out that there's so much going on in the world that's complete BS. Like you, you look through. If you deep dive, anyone deep dives on NASA, there's so much fuckery going on there and things that just don't make sense and things that are being hidden and obvious lies that you have to start questioning the narrative and. For the longest time, Earth was always known to be a flat plane. And realistically, it's only within the last couple of hundred years to 300 years that Earth has had the globe model presented to us. And we're dismissing hundreds of thousands of years of history of understanding about the world.
0: Right. I love that. Yes, exactly me. For the longest, I was on the fence. And I still am because I haven't confirmed for myself. So I can't say I believe this or that 100%. But I remember one time um, I ate a couple mushrooms and I came across the documentary Leveled. Have you seen it?
1: I haven't seen it yet. Um, he's literally got a new one out, doesn't he?
0: Yes, yes. I want to watch that yeah, one Yeah, kind of um,
1: I really need to watch it. I haven't watched it yet. But like, like you said, I'm, I can't prove it one way or another because I just don't know. Unless yeah. I was to get up in a rocket ship and go as high as I could without hitting any kind of a firmament, mm-hmm. there's no way I can conclusively state whether Earth is flat or not. I know there's a lot of people out there who say they can by using the globe model's own argument against them, but... Yeah, I'm 98% sure, but I'm, I never say anything's 100% certain, so.
0: Right, right. And so the thing, maybe we can kind of talk about this because, like I said, I was on the fence, and anytime I would hear people talk about the flat earth, I would roll my eyes, walk away, and do all of that. And so I realized a lot of this process of awakening or unfolding is being able to be in uncomfortable positions or, or situations. So while I was watching that documentary, I was being presented with all these facts, and I was like, okay, okay, taking notes, taking notes. And I kind of felt like a normie person being being schooled by a conspiracy theorist. And so I was like, okay, maybe this is what the peop- the normies kind of fail to do. Once they hear something that jives doesn't jive with their narrative or their worldview, they do what I would do, walk away, turn around, not listen, they close their eyes. But as I sat there being uncomfortable and just listening, you know, all these facts and different ideas and scientific models of how the world probably is flat i was at the end of that night i was just looking at the moon and thinking wow my whole paradigm my whole world just changed with that one thing and a lot of people want to say what is the what does it matter if the world is flat around may i ask to you what does it matter if it's flat around
1: i think it's probably the biggest issue there is um I'm a person who's recently found faith and found Christ, so there's definitely large elements of the firmament and Earth being a flat plane depicted through Christianity and the Abrahamic religions. But even beyond that, on a normal level, if the Earth is flat and we're in a contained type of realm, it kind of destroys the whole idea of resources being available out in space. Like, there's this big Mm. push for the space race still, when it's going on, that they want to go out colonise Mars, Earth's resources are being depleted, that type of a deal. If it, we are in a small contained space that we can't go out into space and rely on other planets to colonise, that's probably going to kick us into gear and actually look after the planet we've got or the mm. realm we have. Mm. We've got so many means of technology and understanding that we could be living in a much more harmonious way with the Earth we live on. And oh, that may sound a bit woo-woo and a bit gyrish but you know, if this is a realm that's God's gifted to us, it's it's up to us to look after it. And I'm not a person who believes in man-made climate change or global warming or anything like that, but I do believe in pollution and what we do to the planet is pretty uh, is uh, pretty goddamn horrendous.
0: Yes, yes, I agree. I, I totally agree. That's the whole angle I th- I see it from. is the spiritual angle because if they can get the people to believe that all of this is an accident and then there is no God, And then they have them where, where exactly where they want them. They want them just seeking material carnal desires instead of kind of just, like you said, appreciating and taking care of the planet.
1: It's a very wasteful idea, isn't it, that that, that our planet is, air quotes, being destroyed by man's actions, so the next thing we do is we go find another planet to so do the same thing too.
0: Right, right. Exactly. It's a
1: consumerism on a planetary level for them.
0: Right, Exactly. So let's get back to the basics, Drew. Um, tell me, what do you think it was about your childhood or maybe your parenting or your environment as a child that kind of led you down this path of seeking and trying to figure things out for yourself?
1: I grew up as a kid in a upper-middle-class family where both my parents are blue-collar workers, and they worked really hard, worked all the time um, to give me and my sisters the best outcomes they could. So I grew up in a pretty privileged situation. We weren't the richest people, we weren't the poorest at the same time. So we just kind of sat on that that middle ground where we had to really work hard for what we had. And through that, I developed a really good sense of um, self-worth, of appreciating hard work, and at the same time appreciating the downtime and the relaxation that uh, the world can offer us. So I was a bit of a book nerd as a kid, had my nose buried in books all the time. My mother was actually the person that got me into conspiracy theories and this type of a world. She bought me a, I think it was like a Bigfoot and a Loch Ness Monster Mm. book when I was probably seven or eight. And that really piqued my interest. And from there, it went into me being a 12-year-old kid reading The Day After Roswell. And I was kind of hooked ever since that there's things in our world that we can't explain. There's things that need to be questioned. That's what kind of started the journey for me of questioning the narrative and trying to be a truther
0: oh wow i love that It that kind of brings me back to what i was talking about so when i was younger likewise my dad would take us to the library and i would run to that area of the library that had ghosts aliens uh, the, the pyramids the bermuda triangle and all that stuff just for some reason it just fascinated me like the unknown and i, I think again that ties into that whole idea of being uncomfortable people don't want to look or seek into crevices that that make them like think too much or think outside the box they just want to live in inside this preconceived notions or ideas of what the world is and they don't want to question it they're just kind of walking on eggshells to like just survive and like you said I, you were lucky that you lived in a in a in a household where you had kind of like the leisure time and time to chill and relax and look back but a lot of people don't have that so they just kind of they're living on that um what's it called um, Instincts daily, they're just surviving, not really looking past or through the veil.
1: Yeah, no, they're, they're living in the moment. They've got far more important things about worrying if they can get food on the table for their kids or there's a kid worrying if they're going to have clean clothes for school or if they're going to have lunch for that day. There's more important things for people, and I understand that. I get it. Um, hopefully, that the world can get to a point where people do have the ability to, to question what's presented to them a bit more.
0: Yeah. Uh, right now, I, well, you were just saying that I thought I, I, when I was a child, I would always have this dream or this idea of what if there was one day out of the year or one day out of every five years that the whole world decided, OK, we're going to turn off the power tonight and we're going to see all the stars. And that like that could probably be a catalyst or just something to kind of get people to realize where we're at and what we we lost. We've been we've had so many things taken away from us through the idea of progress We've kind of traded in paradise for progress and we've lost the beauty. We've cut down the trees. We've made these unnormal cities. We've kind of been taken out of the natural world that God put us in and we've been put into these huge free range pe- uh, places for humans.
1: Yes, yeah, human farming with a chattel now. But like what you just said about just the concept of looking at the stars that's been taken away from us. I'm lucky I live in a regional area of Australia where I get a full um, sight of the, the night sky. It's fantastic.
0: Oh, yeah? Can you see anytime,
1: the Milky way? So, uh, yeah, absolutely you can. Oh, wow. And anytime uh, a mate or a friend comes down from one of the capital cities, they're in awe of the sky because they, they never see it. And you, you see those people's reactions for the first time. It's like they're on an alien planet themselves right. because they've never seen it. It's yeah. so foreign to them.
0: Yes. Yes. And I see, I think that's what people, that could be one way of waking people up. Have you seen those videos where there's uh, people who are colorblind and then they get these glasses that lets them see all the colors?
1: Yeah, that's really great. It's almost like the uh, the cochlear earpl- implant videos as well, where the person gets to hear yes, for the first time. And yes. It's just one of those senses which has been removed oh. from someone's life for so long. And when they're exposed to it, you can see the elements of joy. In-
0: oh, no. You okay? I can't hear you.
1: People, it's okay. almost they can't believe what's going on around them.
0: Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. I'm good. I can hear you. Um, yes, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. It's like you're coming like you discover a new sense, a new thing that kind of shadows shatters your your viewpoint of reality, kind of makes you break away from just the normal see things that you do throughout life. And again, maybe to tie in psychedelics, I don't know. I'm sure you've turned to Christ now, but I feel I tend to, to recommend them now because I used to a whole lot when I was younger. But coming across ideas that the whole uh, counterculture movement was actually started by the CIA, I'm kind of like hesitant because I've noticed that mushrooms and psychedelics have the potential to make you believe anything if you kind of just look at it through the right perspective, if I made a, if I may make a point. So I, 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 first of all, let me get your point on what do you think about psychedelics?
1: Um, I've never partaken in any drugs before. I live in a pretty strict country where marijuana is illegal across all their states. Um, and I've just never touched that stuff. I grew up in a pretty uh, conservative household where that type of stuff just wasn't the thing you do. It was considered wrong. But now after, like, learning what I've, I've learned, like, I've gone down that route of learning about, like, how psychedelics can open up your third eye or open up your chakras, all that type of stuff, still never partook of it. But now I'm on that kind of lens of, yes, like you said, it was a CIA operation to try and push psychedelics into the mainstream and Mm -hmm. and kind of see what would happen with the free love movement. But at the same time, I think there's a potential that, like with all things that alter your, your mind state, that you're potentially leaving yourself open to attack from other things. Yes. And I think not all psychedelics could do that, but if you're using it the wrong way or if you're in the wrong mindset or you've got the wrong intentions at the time, You're leaving yourself wide open for something else to kind of step in.
0: Yes, I love it. I love how you made that so clear. Exactly. Uh, Set and setting, first of all. Uh, But also what I wanted to tell you is my story is so I've done mushrooms many times and Um, before the mushroom trip would always be like, nature, happy, everything's good, um, fix yourself. And that's the good thing about psychedelics. They're tools to help people overcome traumas or become better versions of themselves. But one time in particular, I, I was on mushrooms and I was meditating and the mushrooms started telling me that um, in a way what the new world order was a good thing and I was like what what are you talking about? And it was saying yeah, I mean if we want to have peace on earth We got to have everyone monitored and we got to be able to record everything so that nobody commits crime uh, We got to make sure that the animals are free and we they don't uh, go extinct So we got to eat the bugs like it started presenting me the case that the, what the new world order wanted was actually good And I started getting scared. I was like whoa, 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 no I I've been studying this for years. How how am I gonna be all of a sudden kind of moved and convinced by these mushrooms that they are, that what the New World Order is doing is a good thing? And so I, from then I kind of took a break, and I started just uh, thinking that I'm sure have you read the Book of Enoch, I have yes. And in the Book of Enoch, it talks about how the fallen angels came to Earth, and they shared this sacred knowledge with humans, which was just occult knowledge that we weren't meant to have, which essentially was astrology, um, divination, um, makeup for women, um, psychedelics also. They brought this idea that psychedelics could be used to kind of expand your mind. But like you mentioned, of course, they open your mind, but they open it so wide to where other things can come in and kind of manipulate you. And I feel a lot of this... Deception that has fallen upon humanity has been these fallen angels or spirits or entities in the in behind the scenes kind of moving and steering mankind to to kind of go toward this final stage that we're at now, which is to bring about the, the Armageddon or the New World Order, this fourth industrial revolution that they really, truly feel they are capable of pulling off.
1: Yeah, and isn't the uh, the Book of Enoch just the missing key from what the, the Bible should really include? Like, I know that the uh, the Ethiopian Bible includes that book, mm-hmm. but mainstream, uh, the Church of England, uh, the King George Bible, all of those current Bibles, they don't have that. During the Council of Nicaea, they elected not to include that in the Bible. And I've always questioned why certain books were included and ones weren't. Mm-hmm. And if you go down the route of thinking that organised religion, Um, so the physical buildings and the people that control the faith, those are co-opted and it makes a lot of sense that they would remove the book of Enoch because for me, as someone who's just found Christ, who I used to roll my eyes when people would bring up the Christian thing and talk about God, I thought it was all hooey and and just complete crap. But after reading the book of Enoch, it puts the rest of the Bible into so much perspective Mm -hmm. and puts real tangible things on the line of the spiritual war that's going on
0: yes yes for sure brother exactly once you once you look at this whole conspiracy thing through that spiritual lens it kind of all makes sense that yes they're trying to deceive mankind and go down this route of just dismissing God and we're gods we're going to become transhuman become better versions of ourselves and we don't need anything that was in the past nature that's all going to get demolished and changed into 15 minute cities into enclosed areas which is just all control but to go back uh, to where you said your mom kind of turned you on into this and she gave you that Loch Ness book. After that, what else did you, st- what other steps or what other things did you start doing to kind of start learning about this seemingly hidden realm?
1: Uh, so I was a teenager during nine eleven, and I can vividly remember, like not not even as an American, it was still such a, a colossal event in history where I can remember being on the couch, it was the middle of summer in Australia, it was stinking hot, And I could remember just seeing those planes fly into the building and thinking to myself as a teenager, holy shit, this is the third world war. It's kicking off right now. That's what I thought at the time. Then I I grew up during, you know, the invasion of Iraq, Afghanistan. Um, It kind of formulated even for a non-American, the idea of patriotism in the West. And that kind of motivated me to join the Royal Australian Air Force. And I was always a very patriotic person. But at the same time, I still had that free thinker mindset in the back of my of my mind. I didn't go in as as a pilot or a a ground defense guard or anything. I went in as a paramedic. So I've always got that idea of caring for people, and looking out for people. And I eventually met my wife and left. And that was a history of my service. But I always kept coming back to asking the questions of why. Why is the world the way it is, especially with. The weapons of mass destruction being complete lies for the justified invasion of iraq and had nothing to do with september 11 finding out that september 11 was most likely an inside job um where all those people that died were collateral damage which is just horrendous and horrific it just kept driving me to ask questions and the thing that really got me into the speaking my truth and being open about it was actually COVID. um i'm a teacher so during the the events of COVID, I live in the most locked down state in the world, Mm. Victoria. And as a teacher, I was mandated to take the shots. And for the longest time, knowing those shots were coming, it was discussions around what my wife and I, what we were going to do. Would we have to have them or not? And that's when I first started actually seeking for myself, looking for evidence of faith in God. And I looked for the longest time. I didn't find anything Unfortunately, due to our circumstances to keep food on the table and pay our bills, I had to take the shots, which I regret every day, but that's that's in the past now we're moving on. I got to a point where I thought, you know what, there's no signs. God's not there. It's, it's, it's all hooey, it's not real, until a couple of events within the space of a week kind of solidified it for me. I Essentially, I saved a kid's life. A kid was running out of the school and darted across a busy intersection of a road, and I had to tackle him out of the way, and we both almost got hit by the car oh my god so there was that event and then a week later in my own neighborhood there was a, a domestic dispute between a father and his teenage son where they were hitting each other with golf clubs and really going at it wow. and I was just I don't have the bystander mentality of watching and just seeing what happens without instinct without thinking I just ran into it and broke it apart and told them to you know pull their heads in what are you doing your, your, your father and son and I ended up staying there with the, the kid and as he unloaded all the worries of his life onto me while after his father went inside and cooled off. But I think I was put in a space at those times for a reason and I think that was the sign I was always looking for and it was a, a pretty big one for me.
0: Wow, that's kind of like an omen, good omen. Sort, so, I mean, bad situations, but a good omen to get you to come back.
1: Yeah, and it's yeah like i said i've I've traditionally i was raised as a a presbyterian but we didn't actively practice as a family and for the longest time really didn't think much of it and then in what i thought was my lowest time in life after searching for it and not finding any answers it kind of presented itself to me so i'm very much a believer now and that kind of drove me to to start my podcast and and just to talk to people and listen to people around the world,
0: I love it, brother. I'm, I'm hearing I hear that story so much that COVID was the catalyst to get them to like reevaluate their life and really see what matters and what's important. Um, I, so, you, what you're telling me is that you were actually actively seeking God, and but you couldn't find him Or tell me about that.
1: So, I was just. It was life. Was, in other words, pretty shit. It was. I was going to have to have something I didn't want that I'd research that. I was really concerned about it was going to be a death shot, it was going to cause massive health effects or fertility issues, all these types of stuff was running through my mind. It was a really hard time where when we went out and protested what the government was doing during those times, we had armed police in military garb shooting us in the back with rubber bullets and and beanbags. And the world didn't look like a very good place. Mm -hmm. And I just found myself just thinking inside my head, having that internal monologue, dialogue, like... If you're real, God, if, if if you're really out there, why aren't you doing anything? Mm. Like we're sitting there, we're standing up to this and we're losing. We're losing every single time we go out there. I was just looking for a sign. I was asking for a sign and nothing happened. Mm. And it was probably the second year into COVID and I just kind of gave up. And out of the blue, those two events happened. And I thought, okay, yep, you've got my attention now.
0: Wow. Wow, that's powerful. And it's strange, yeah, how people, different people come to God at at last. And so once you start, you started really feeling Him, what did you, what would you do? You started reading the Bible more or going to church or what kind of things would you do to get closer to Him?
1: So at the moment, I describe myself as um, denominationally homeless. Because of the, uh, being a conspiracy theorist, I see the control structures within organized religion. um, And I can't, put down any single church to affiliate with or to go and check out. I've spoken to community members in different denominations, but at the moment for me, it's just researching the Bible and reading it and and going through it and trying to understand and conceptualise the faith for myself more before I actually join a community church, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's been really beneficial having a lot of um, podcasting friends out there that all on different journeys and they all belong to different denominations themselves just to get advice and to chat and to really understand what it's all about
0: right yeah man that's that's the most interesting thing to me more than more than even a conspiracy theorist there's a spiritual side of things because like similar i i grew up in a christian household Uh, i became atheist for a while but then psychedelics brought me back to god and now i for the, for the longest during my teenage years, I would read about Buddhism, about um, Hinduism, about different religions around the world. And I was kind of like, I liked all of them. And they all kind of sort of, in a way, made sense. So it really bothered me when the Christians would say, Jesus is the only way. And that kind of rubbed with me wrong. So for that reason, I would kind of stay away. But now it's, it's weird. I like how Josh Monday, he says... Um, the whole truth was always in our bookshelf, like the Bible. It's always been right in front of us, but people do so much mental gymnastics to not believe it, to like believe into evolution or the Big Bang Theory, all these things they indoctrinate us with. And so have you seen the movie Life of Pi? I have yes. So right now I'm kind of reminded of that. He was a Indian boy, but he was also kind of a Buddhist, a Christian, a uh, Islamist, a Muslim. All of these things together, and his parents were kind of his parents and his brother are kind of berating him and and making fun of him, saying, "How many more religions are you going to convert into?" And so for me, I, I kind of can see and acknowledge how religion can be just an institution to have a monopoly on God in a sense. But then again, they also have these teachings and these ideals of just trying to connect with our Creator, with our God, and just to be honest and to be good and to do the right thing. And so to me, that's the angle that I come in at it. I love Jesus, of course, um, but I don't know if I can commit to saying that if people don't believe or say the word Jesus, that they're going to go to a hell. What, What do you think about that?
1: Um, yeah, it's, it's a funny one, isn't it? When you think about organized religion, like there's a lot of bad stuff associated with it. The, the Catholic church hasn't been the best thing for Christianity with all its issues of um, pedophilia and the way that the Catholic church has kind of snuffed out, um, first nations cultures around the world and that type of thing. It has a real negative connotation with it, but the issues are that, Without Christianity, we've seen a complete nosedive in societal morals and what it is to be Mm. a good citizen and a good person. Right? Yeah. Some people would say that that's a control structure, but it's very noticeable that without elements of the Abrahamic religion, morals and social decay—it's just exponential. Right. Right. We know that the majority of rules and laws are actually based on Abrahamic religion thou shalt not kill. That's why we have laws for murder. Mm-hmm. That's why we have um, assault and battery, like being kind to your neighbor. All of these things, at its very essence, if you take away the faith and you take away the, the spiritual side of things, it's a good moral framework for how to be a good person.
0: Right, right, right. And
1: even if you're looking at it just that, that lens and that frame, it's absolutely perfect. It's, does it have issues? Yes. Have there been issues in the way it's been implemented by people during history? Absolutely. But if you take it as its as its core meaning of being a good person, it's absolutely fantastic. And so as you said, I can't say 100%, for 100% if someone's going to go to hell for their life choices. Right. The Bible might say it, but I don't know. I'm not going to be there when that person passes. Right. And I 100% don't know whether I'm going to heaven or hell.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's, that's for the man upstairs to decide where I go. All I can do is live my best life as a person and a human being and... And through discovering faith and and trying to follow those tenets, trying to be the best Christian and best man I can be. I think that's all you can do at the end of the day. The Bible's the Bible's there as, as a guide, but I don't think it's necessarily the rule set in stone.
0: Yeah, right. I love that. I love that. But interesting also, it's funny or just weird how... Yes, the Christian idea is about love and forgiveness, yet also Jesus spoke about destroying evil. And he actually went Mm -hmm. into the church and and made a a whole fuss when people were trying to sell in his house. And I think it's also interesting how the Christian community is kind of the one major uh, front that is actually pushing back against all this mess of things that's happening with drag queens, LGBTQ, trying to indoctrinate kids into this whole transgender ideology. It's. It seems like we are coming at that crossroads where it seems like in the Bible it says there's going to be this ultimate battle between good and evil right in front of our eyes. And it's culminating into that. You can see it like with everything that's happening in Florida, the elections are coming up, things are gearing up. It's not to fear It's just to tell people, don't you see what's happening? This has been foretold in prophecy. I mean. It's time to get back with your neighbors, to grow your own food, to become independent. And it's awesome because a lot of people are doing it. There's people like you who are spreading their message. A lot of niches, a lot of little corners around the Internet that they're trying to become better. Um, What would you say to people who like are where you're at now that where you were? I'm sorry, where you were in the past, where you were looking for God, but you just couldn't find them. And you were just kind of lost. What would you tell to somebody who's looking but hasn't found anything?
1: (coughs) It's it's easier said than done, but I don't think you can constantly keep looking for it. That's how I burnt out and I kind of just gave up and I didn't think it would happen. And lucky for me, I kind of got that kick in the backside and it was very obvious for me. I think you just really, you need to let it happen. And you can take away the aspects of, I'm looking for a God, I'm looking for all this omnipotent being that's created everything. That's a journey some people find themselves, they want to find and they need evidence of it don't necessarily have to find that in the beginning. I think if you just live your life as the best person you can be, and you follow your own moral compass as you see fit, as you think the world should be, I think it's going to happen for you. It's it's going to present itself in some kind of way. It could be a, a glaringly massive sign. Um, it could be a very small sign. It could be something that just happens in in passing, but I think you just have to live your life as best as you can and let it happen. Right. I think actively searching for it, all you're going to do is burn yourself out and wear yourself down.
0: Yeah, that's true. I love it. Yeah, I love it. And like I said, it seems like, uh, from where I am at, my perspective, I love to see and, and think that a lot of people are, are changing it. They're seeing even like, nothing against gays or anything, but even they're coming out and saying, yo, what you are doing is disgusting. You're actually grooming and teaching kids to do all these disgusting things. And they're switching over. And also on Reddit, there was there's this... Um, forum, now it's called uh, Wall Street Bets, uh, Wall Street Silver, something. At first, it used to be all about uh, Wall Street and how to put bets on the stock market, but now it's shifted to where like people are actually posting all the messed up things that are going on. And it's like, well, even this whole community who was just into finance and money is now actually talking about all the stuff that they're doing to the kids and how they're trying to indoctrinate people. And it's just like, yes, yes, please. I mean, the more that people speak, Because like you, before I started this podcast, I I knew these things I would research, I would read, but I wouldn't share with anybody. I just kept it to myself. And after a while, I was like, well, this is very greedy. What am I doing? And also, in a sense, I wanted to leave something for my daughter when she's seven, eight years old right now. I want to leave something for her in case anything were to happen to me where she can see or learn about these things that no one's going to teach you unless it's me because not many people are like that. I'm sure you're aware of that, but that was my major catalyst to be like, well, I have to leave something behind. I, I have to say, I have to be at least be able to say that I tried.
1: Yeah, if, if there is some kind of judgment that when you do pass on or wherever you go to, I do really think that the way you conducted yourself in your life determines where you go. I, I don't think... Your life is so precious, and everything you experience is so important. I don't think it's simply a case of you die and you're buried in the ground. There's got to be greater meaning for humanity oh, than yeah. that. And and yeah, if if there is that judgment time, you know, what have you done? It's it sounds a bit. Um, it's almost like the inversion of what you see in in films where, what have you done to secure your place in this? increasingly overpopulated world it's what have you done to secure your place in the afterlife what have you done to be a good person
0: right yeah i love that and uh, maybe to answer the question i had asked you how do you get people who are looking at some kind of conviction or proof what i always like to point to is near-death experiences or people who come back to life they always have this story of like something basically very spiritual uh seeing their whole life flash before their eyes and it kind of shows them that wow they're there is something on the other side and I don't know what it is. I can't say that it's a heaven or hell, but all I can say is that in my point of view is you return to primal source or the primal energy that created everything.
1: Yeah. And it's often a, it's a really a a dynamic changing shift for people. A lot of these people that have these experiences tend to be very atheistic or they don't have any real belief system and they go through that and they become born again. So to change someone's outlook on, on life so dramatically, there might be something to it. We don't know.
0: Right, right. And so now, also, eventually after COVID, you really felt you had to put your voice out there. Um, what was the, what that process that you went through? Because I love how you used your last name to incorporate it into your title of the podcast. Please tell us about what made you start it exactly, your steps, and then tell us about your show.
1: So, like a lot of other people, I was locked in my house for nearly... In Victoria, it was nearly three years were locked in their houses for. I just started listening to podcasts, and I know lots of people started podcasts back then. I just didn't feel comfortable doing it at that time. Um, but I listened to a lot. I got stuck into OBDM, our big dumb mouth, which was hilarious. It made me laugh. It made me smile during those really terrible times. I started listening to people who I'm now good friends with, and it got to the point where... COVID was kind of dying down and the, the air quotes pandemic was over and I thought, you know what, I can do this. And I reached out to Adam from Deborah Gets Red Pilled and I have just started off as, as being a guest on the show and then it went from there. I decided, you know, I can do this. I'll start my own show. I can I can talk to people. I can hold a conversation. Like I teach 30-plus kids each hour. What do you do? Over 500 students a day. I teach art.
0: Oh, awesome. Um, cool.
1: But I I teach 500 odd students in a day, and you know I I teach adults. Um, I've been in conferences before. I've led uh, group work. I should be able to do this, and it was a bit nerve-wracking to begin with, talking to yourself or talking to a screen. But I'm really enjoying it. It's the it's talking about things that, for whatever reason, society has told us we're not allowed to talk about. Mm. The system's been really good at saying you don't talk about religion or politics at the dinner table. And that soon became you just don't talk about religion or politics to anyone. Mm. And I think those are the most important conversations to have. And to have that with, to begin with like-minded people and then to speak to people who would challenge my own thinking and make me reflect on my own practices or my own life, I think that's the most beneficial thing to come out of all of this.
0: Yes, yes. I love that, man. That's so interesting how you said that. Uh, when people ask me how you really think that a small group of people can control the world. Yes, of course, especially with all the technology, but even that little mental thing that you just said, don't talk about politics or religion. That has been like ingrained in people's souls. And no one even really told them this. It's just something people don't do. But exactly like when these conversations that I have, it's basically that government and, and politics and, and spirituality trying to figure out what's really going on. Because if they can keep you from talking about those things, and they got us. They got they got us exactly where they want us. They, they just want us to shut up about the most important things in life and do the most things that they just show on TV, which is buying things, consuming. It's never about creating or producing art like you, exactly. We need more people like you who are creating and making things, not just consuming and buying and trying to fill that void inside of themselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've always been a little bit of an artist growing up, and just to find myself in a position where I could actually teach full-time as my job is amazing. Seeing what kids can do with their imaginations and that level of creativity, we've all got that creative spark, and to foster that in kids and have them actually explore that within themselves is a great thing to see.
0: Um, I've always wanted to be a teacher, and I actually had my previous guest was also a teacher, and the only reason that I didn't do it is because I I found out that there's curriculums that uh, teachers have to follow and they have to, like, stay within those. But if I may ask, do you have anything that you kind of do yourself that's not part of the curriculum that you kind of introduce to kids to kind of get them to think outside the box or something?
1: Well, I'm really lucky that our curriculum within the arts is so broad. It's all about exploring, investigating, um, looking at arts from different cultures, different times and different perspectives. There's nothing really set in stone of what you have to do. So I get to design, I take what the curriculum is in its grey, very broad sense, and I can hone it down to what I I think kids would engage in, what they'd like. So I go through a timeline of art. I go back all the way to, the cave art oh, in France, the, yes. all the way through indigenous art in Australia, all the way up into what modern art is and, and showing kids that how art has changed and what the meaning behind the art was and and just giving kids a bit of, a bit more insight into what it is. It's, unfortunately, a lot of art teachers out there, they take the whole, we're making a, a lizard and we're going to stick the eyes on here and the tail goes there. And it's very regimented and follows a, a series of steps, whereas art really should be what the artist sees and what they value from it. So it's showing kids what types of arts there are and letting them investigate which one they want to to try themselves.
0: That's awesome, I love that approach because likewise with me, whenever I try to break something down, I try to go to the beginning. Where did it all come from? Where did it all start? And yeah, it's awesome to see uh, the progress of art, like with the cave paintings, and then uh, the different time periods throughout time and, and even now what is your opinion of today's modern art because in my opinion modern art it sucks it's ugly it's devoid of meaning it's
1: <sighs> it's it's um I'm a very I'm a bit of a snob when it comes to art I'm a very much an impressionist and classical art form type of a guy but what we're seeing today is it's brutalism it's bastardization of art you look at architecture now compared to what it used to be it's Chalk and cheese. You look at the way buildings are now; they're very stale. Everything looks like it's almost like a hospital building. Mm-hmm. It's, I think, it's that way. It actually drains you looking at those types of buildings. Whereas you look at like a Victorian era building with its ornate um, sculptures, its cornices, its framework around windows. It's art in itself. Like the the builder or the window maker, they will put in hours and hours of work, they put their heart and soul into it and it's reflected. You can get that feeling of warmth from older buildings. Mm-hmm. Today's quickly manufactured, popped up buildings, which anyone can put together like a Lego um, set, it just doesn't have the love in it. Right. And I think that's for a reason.
0: where well, it's actually called brutalism. The modern startup yeah. architecture is brutalism. It's brutal. It's disgusting. Uh, we have a, a Domino's by our home and um, it used to be red and blue, which is okay. It kind of stood out. But they repainted it, and now it's actually gray. And it's boring and dull. I'm like, what are y'all doing? And exactly. I like looking at Tartarian architecture. Just in the past, how everything was imbued with beauty and style. And like you said, even the, the corners of a window had had like a beautiful, pleasing thing to it. Like you appreciate it, and it made you feel like... Like when you look at a, a nature of badass sunset, it kind of brings that that thing to it. And it, with this modern shit, brutalism, it really does dull the senses. It makes you... Not, it makes, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. it just it's just sterile, it's boring, there's nothing to it. And um, that's why I, I feel we need to revitalize art. That, and the art, spirituality, and politics, if we can all just find a blend, the way that we can all make this kind of work, not in a new world order type of sense, but in a, in a sense that we all just, I don't know, just try to be better people and try to help one another. And I always had these dreams that we, we have a perfect world, but, do you think it's possible for uh, humanity to have a utopia, even though the world means a place that doesn't exist?
1: I think we've got a, a long, hard slog against us. We're, we're pushing it uphill to try and make that happen. Um, I hope that that's the case. But the more I research, it's it's hard not to be black at times, seeing the, the forces that we're up against, even as individuals. If we were all to unite and have the same understanding, we'd have a chance, I think, but... I don't know. I think we need we need a little bit of outside intervention and help from a certain someone upstairs.
0: Yes, yes. But
1: just to come back to what you're talking about with brutalism, I think there's a very real reason why they went that route. Everything's angular. Everything's flat. The insides of buildings now are very open living, um, flat, large rooms. Mm-hmm. They're all interconnected. There's no single little rooms anymore. That was definitely designed so they could usher in Wi-Fi and 5G so it could disperse within the house easier. If you have an older style house with innate cornices and window framework and and walls everywhere, it's a lot harder for those signals to actually make their way through the house and to affect devices and people. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you've got an open format house with flat walls where the, the waves bounce off and hit back. You're actually getting bathed in it a lot easier than what an older traditional house would be.
0: Wow, 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 that's interesting. And while you were saying that, it actually made me think of 1984 where it was just like a big one room so the camera can see everything. So it's kind of a way so they can watch you all the time. Yeah, man, I I love this kind of, these topics and stuff. So what do you... what do you think would hap- what's going to happen? So do you think that, like you said, you said that there's going to be an intervention from above or do you think that humanity will become enslaved or do you think we will liberate ourselves?
1: I think we're going to have to go through the, the hard times first. I think that things will get very tough. Um, we will end up in a system where CBDCs are used to control people. There'll be social credit systems. We'll see potentially food shortages or at least food rationing. We're going to see very hard economic times in the future, which will just make it easier for people to control, especially with the technology level that we have today. And I think from there, that's going to foster and and force a bit of rebellious thought in the majority of the population. It's going to light a fire in people's hearts where they want to fight against the, the bad things humanities we are built that way. That's why we love stories and we like films where the underdog is fighting, is constantly fighting against adversity. They, we, we root for that little—the underdog, the person who has to fight off those types of things. So, it's innate in people, and it was surprising there wasn't much of it during COVID, to be honest. But I think if it's harsher than what COVID was, and everyone's held to a certain account. That it's going to foster a rebellious streak in the population. That's when we're going to push back.
0: I love it, man. And right now, while you were saying that, it actually reminded me of a post that I posted a couple days ago. It's about this movie called The World's End. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? I have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's awesome. It's about this. On the surface, it's about a alcoholic guy who just wants to have a great time. But if you kind of read between the lines and behind the scenes, it's it's really about this how would you call it an alien force i guess trying to come down and enlighten humanity and um so one of the main characters in the show which i feel he's speaking from the human spirit he's like who are you to come and control us so here let's i'm gonna play this and so we can just uh, listen to this and then we'll have our closing statement and that'll be it okay cool cool okay so here we go allow me to
1: carry your legend
0: forward but the man you have become. boy you were. So this guy is killing what is essentially a robot who wants to replace him and he's like, nah, I'm good.
1: There's only one Gary King! Then you have made your choice, Gary King of the Humans. Yeah, I have! because frankly, who the fuck are you to come down here and tell us what to do? We are the network, and we are here for your betterment. In the last 23 years, have you not marveled as information technology has surged forward? No. Earth has grown smaller yet greater as connectivity has grown. This is our doing, and it is just the beginning. Oh, fuck off, you big lad. You are children, and you require guidance. There is no room for imperfection. Hey, Earth isn't perfect, all right? And, and humans aren't perfect. And guess what? I ain't perfect. And therein lies the necessity for this intervention. Must the galaxy be subjected to an entire planet of people like you? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Don't put you in charge, huh? Don't even criticize anyone. No, uh, you might think Gary is a bit of a cock, and, and, and he is a bit of a cock, hmm? but he's my cock. Oh, thanks, man. But he is a detriment to himself, just as Earth is a detriment to the galaxy. What did, he, what did he say? You act out the same cycles of self-destruction again and again. At this point, your planet is the least civilized in the entire galaxy. What did he say? Say so we're a bunch of fuck-ups. Hey! It is a basic human right to be fuck-ups! This civilization was founded on fuck-ups, and you know what? That makes me proud. I'm hungry. What is it they say? To err is... To err is human. To err is human! So, uh We do not believe you speak for all humanity. You are the two men. Two drunk men. Three drunk men! Sneaky men!
0: And so essentially, that's it. But to me, th- that that's what it is—the human. We have to be allowed to make our own mistakes, like they can't control us. Uh, what we can eat, what, what drugs we can take, uh, who we're allowed to marry, if we're allowed to travel. The human is—it's a free human. God made us with God-given rights that we're allowed to be free to travel, to do what we wish, to reach happiness. But Man, it seems like the whole world is going anti-constitution, and anti-bill of rights. They just want to control humans completely.
1: Yeah, it's, um, failure is fertilizer. And sure, it might smell like shit from time to time, but you're learning from it. <laughs> Say that again? Failure is fertilizer, and it might smell like shit sometimes, but you're learning from it.
0: Oh, man, I'm going to write that down. Failure is fertilizer. Might smell like shit. We're, that's awesome, <laughs> but yeah, that's true we have to the the only reason that you and I can talk or walk is because we messed up so many times that we learned how to do it properly, and it's just like they they want to control us completely because they're afraid of of what happens when humans are actually free because they want to have control but i get i I feel the more freedom that we were to have and they they just respected us more and and sh- uh, just gave us the opportunity to like truly govern ourselves we could really really reach a paradise but like terence mckenna says we're led by the least among us the least visionary the least noble and and we don't do anything to change it and i and i just feel like it is happening slowly and we might not see it on the news but a, a big majority of the people are waking up and and i feel you're part of it so if you had if you had your ears drew of the whole world and you had a message to say what would you what would you say to the world
1: start having conversations. Don't be worried about political correctness or don't fall for the trap of never speak about religion or politics because the people at the top aren't trying to solve the world's problems by any measure. They're just making money off it and living off it, the, the teat of big government. So the only way we can solve the world's problems is to actually talk to people. And the more people that talk about any given problem, there's more minds thinking about how to solve it. and that's the only way we can
0: do it yes i love it basically just like the archaic time just talking on the camp campfire just speaking your mind not being afraid of saying the wrong thing you know loving your brother and being able to say anything without him getting offended but thank you again, drew uh guys this is drew uh go check out his instagram and his podcast i'm gonna put the links down below um if somebody wants to get in touch with you how, how do they reach you drew
1: uh, they can contact me on Drew Misson, M-I-S-S-E-N, at 88 at com. Drew Misson, 88 at, at gmail.com.
0: And your podcast?
1: Uh, you're Missing the Point.
0: And they can find it on a- any podcast feed?
1: All the usual podcatchers, iHeartRadio, um, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere.
0: Okay, guys. Yeah, go check them out. And uh, get, thank you all for listening to the show. And remember, know thyself, improve thyself. Find the others, and then you'll know what to do. Peace.